Welcome to the Cheapskate Show, everybody. Today on the podcast, the truth about home theater projectors. How much do you really need to spend to fill a wall with movies? And speaking of movies, we've got the scoop on some great new stuff you can stream for free. All that and plenty more to stick around for. I'm Rick Broida, CNET Senior Commerce Editor, but also known as The Cheapskate. And joining me as always is the pie crust that contains my delicious apple cinnamon filling, Dave Johnson. Hello there, filling man. Well, hey, Rick. Since you're clearly thinking about pie right now, this is a great opportunity for you to become an investor in my new business. I'm planning on opening up my own pie shop that kind of leans into the classics. Do you want to know what the name of the store is? <laughs> I really do. It's going to be called Nuttin' But Mutton, and we're only going to sell three kinds of pie. We're going to sell mutton pie, mutton pie with rutabaga, and of course, everybody's favorite, sugared mutton biscuits. <laughs> wow. Uh, I guess I kind of walked into that. <laughs> If you regret that, maybe next time think more carefully about how you introduce me. <laughs> maybe maybe take more than 10 seconds to figure out how you're going to reply. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's go on to the meat inside this delicious podcast pie. Dave, a little bit of news, a very interesting news this week. Uh, I should say last week, actually, because we're recording this a little bit early, so this is going to have transpired in the past. But as you may have heard... Walmart is getting into the Amazon Prime game with their new service called Walmart Plus, except it's nothing like Amazon Prime. Well, it's sort of like it in the sense that if I asked you to describe to me The Matrix, you didn't go to the theater, but you just read about it on the back of a cereal box and then drew a single picture of what you think the movie was about. I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Uh, okay, sure. So Walmart Plus is a subscription service that is pretty focused on grocery delivery. That's kind of its raison d'etre versus Amazon, which has deli grocery delivery um, from Whole Foods and also from Amazon Fresh and a whole bunch of other stuff as well, like a ton of other stuff. So I'm a little mystified by the comparisons that I like every headline I've seen has said – Walmart's Amazon Prime Challenger, but it's just not. It's not. Yeah, it's it's a terrible comparison because yeah. Amazon has so many pocket services that they have thrown in for what a hundred and nineteen dollars now a year. You get all kinds of stuff. You get books. You get movies. You get free or second day delivery, and the list goes on and on and on. And Walmart has virtually nothing to offer except for their core service. So. Maybe it'll grow over time, but clearly it's a different animal. Yeah, and so that's where my objection lies, is, is in trying to compare this in any way to Amazon Prime, because it's just not the same thing. That being said, I do think that there's some value here, and for some users there may be considerable value, just depending on what your circumstance is. Oh, and tell so, me more. Well, so the subscription rate is $98 per year, and so what that buys you is basically unlimited grocery, not just groceries, anything that's in store at, at Walmart, you can get delivered. Now, there is a $35 minimum per delivery, which again is different from Amazon Prime, because you can order something that's three bucks and have it delivered well, for let, free. Let's, two let's days. call it what it is. It's not different. It's worse than. <laughs> 
Well, but but Amazon's grocery delivery also has that $35 minimum. So on the if you're on the grocery playing field, they are equal. But here's the thing. If you live within the delivery range of a Walmart store, and you just simply either don't have the time, the capability, or the desire to do grocery shopping in a store, and you can get your weekly grocery delivery at your front door, this works out to like less than two bucks a week if you were to take advantage of it every single week. So in that respect, it's actually super cheap. I just don't know that anybody or everybody has a desire for that, that, that wants to have their groceries delivered all the, delivered all the time. Maybe, maybe they do, and when time will tell. I think in some cases this might come down to questions of service area, right? So are there any areas that Amazon Plus doesn't service that Walmart would? You know, I, I don't know the answer. Um, you know, Amazon's thing is weird because they have delivery via Whole Foods, mm -hmm. but they also have their Amazon Fresh service, which... Oh, that's so frustrating to me yeah. because I will, I, I have never successfully placed an order, I have to say, for groceries because I go, I, I look around, I add things to the cart. Half of them end up being Amazon Fresh. Half of them are Whole Foods. And so I can't really complete either order because I don't have enough in either. Their system is very confusing. I'll say this on the concept of grocery delivery on the whole. For, again, for some people, it's great. Like if you're, if you have a new baby in the house and, and, and there's just like, you get to a grocery store, forget it. Or if you're elderly and you can't get out. I mean, th in situations like that, amazing, incredible, invaluable. But there's certain things that I want to pick out myself at the store, like produce, for example, mm -hmm, for sure. um, or meat. What happens when something that you want isn't in stock and they want to try to substitute it for something else? And it's just like, and, and then you lose the opportunity to browse and see new products and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, and I, I have to relay this. My parents, they're elderly. They're not in very good health, but my dad is adorable right now because he has discovered home delivery of groceries. And because it's new to him, he somehow thinks it's new <laughs> to everyone. So probably two or three weeks in a row when I talked to him on the phone, he has explained to me in painstaking detail what the experience of shopping for groceries online <laughs> is like. Do you, do you know you could just click the button, it gets added to the cart, and then they bring it to your house. <laughs> I had a similar experience. The last time we were in Florida visiting my parents down there, we, we used DoorDash to order pizza to their house. I mean, pizza, mind you, okay? <clears throat> you know, something that is not unusual to get to, but it was pizza from like one of their favorite restaurants that's a sit-down place that's not a, a delivery place. And they were absolutely gobsmacked at the concept of DoorDash, the idea that you could get delivery from a restaurant. It just couldn't wrap their heads around it. It was hysterical. I am all for underdogs. I, I love to see underdogs challenge the established player. You know, kind of like, you know, a few years back when Jet popped up as an alternative to Amazon. I was like, And yes. how did that work out? <laughs> well, <laughs> were they acquired by Walmart? Oh, yeah. And I bet that Walmart actually took the software, the infrastructure, the back end of Jet and used it to create this Walmart Plus service. I mean, that's possible. Prior to this, Walmart had something called, I think, Delivery Plus. So, I mean, they actually already had this kind of up and running. I think this is just a more fully formed version of it with a few extras as well. But ultimately, we will have to wait and see how this plays out. Um, I think by, at the time this episode is dropping, it will be about a week out from actually being able to sign up for the service. And you'll be able to do a 15-day 
free trial. So you can sort of test it out for, for a week or two and see if it fits uh, for you. I'd be curious to know what our listeners think just kind of at, at face value, what they think of this service and whether they think it's something that they will find to be to their advantage and worthwhile or not. So shoot us an email at uh, cheapskateshow at cbsinteractive.com and let us know what you think. So, Rick, I have to admit something to you. Okay. I am officially suffering from streaming service fatigue. There are too many of them. There's too much content to get through. Too much of it is free, frankly. I can't keep track of it all. Do you have this problem or is it just me? Yes, <laughs> I a thousand percent have this problem. I was trying to figure out a way that I could say it without, like, bursting out into laughter because it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think I told you I've been watching this History Channel series called Alone, which for some bizarre reason is scattered across four different streaming services. The different seasons are on different streaming services. So it is absolute madness and chaos. So I just did this story a couple of days ago, which is now going to be a week ago by the time this episode airs on CNET, where I talked about the fact that Pluto TV, which is one of our current favorite free streaming services, but full disclosure, is a part of Viacom CBS, which also owns CNET. But nonetheless... The story that I wrote is the fact that Pluto, which already has a fair bit of completely free content, just added eight new channels. And these channels are so cool. For example, there is a Carol Burnett show channel. It's all Carol Burnett all the time. And it's like the first 10 seasons of the show. And I don't know about you. I kind of grew up as a little kid watching Carol Burnett reruns. And it is probably the best TV show that's ever existed. <laughs> yes, I am as uh, nearly as old as you, Dave, and, and I also grew up uh, watching Carol Burnett, and I just absolutely loved it as a kid. I just, oh, Tim Conway and Harvey Korman. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. And so if you're not old enough to even know who Carol Burnett is, well, for starters, I hate you, but um, <laughs> this is your chance I mean, I, and I, the thing is, I think a lot of these, uh, a lot, it's, you know, it's, a, it's one of the original sketch comedy shows, like way before everything else. And I think a lot of it holds up really well. And it surprisingly just, does. Yeah, it's just silly and funny and fun. And so if you're just looking for some comfort TV and you just want to sit down and, and binge and laugh and whatever, head over to Pluto, fire up the Carol Burnett channel. There's also channels now for, for watching old episodes of Survivor. And the Amazing Race and other good stuff. And Dark Shadows, um, if you remember that. I never got into Dark Shadows. I wasn't into it when I was a kid, but this aired in the late 60s to early 70s, and it was this gothic themed soap opera. So it was a soap opera with vampires and werewolves and ghosts. And it seems like it would fit in really well today in the 21st century with all of our genre stuff. But it was surprisingly popular back in the day, although looking at it now, I think it's kind of slow moving. Yeah. While we're talking about free streaming stuff, uh, Netflix, Netflix, <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, let's just go with it. Netflix um, <laughs> made a surprising move last week by offering up some free stuff. They're making some of their content available for free. This and this blows is my not, mind. Granted, just about everybody probably already has a Netflix subscription. But if you don't, um, uh, if you canceled it or if you cannot afford it or what have you, 
there's some surprisingly good stuff that they have on offer for free, including Stranger Things, which is awesome. They have the Sandra Bullock movie Bird Box, a couple of other things as well. So it's definitely worth checking out. And as with all this stuff, we will have links for you in the show notes. Right now, this month, do you have any favorite free stuff that you want to recommend? Yeah, so this is a good point to mention that it is the start of a new month. And just about every new month, most of the free streaming services uh, Pluto and Tubi and uh, IMDb kind of refresh their offerings and very often add a, a whole new slate of uh, new stuff to stream for free. So the couple I just was going to call out on IMDb, you can now stream uh, A Few Good Men, which is awesome. Great movie. Still holds up great. Glory, probably the best Civil War movie ever made. And Groundhog Day, which, come on, Dave, uh, all-time classic. You can't handle the truth. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> That's the other one. <laughs> so uh, what do you got? Well... I just discovered the other day that Dead Like Me is at IMDb both seasons. Now, I don't know if we've talked about Dead Like Me before, but it is one of my favorite older shows. It dates back to like 2003, 2004. It was Brian Fuller's first show. He would go on to do Pushing Daisies, which is uh, just a charming classic. And he was involved in Star Trek Discovery as well. But Dead Like Me, have you seen it, Rick? It is about, it's a workplace comedy about Grim Reapers. <laughs> I, I think I started it once upon a time and it didn't grab me immediately, but I know it's one of your favorites. And I think this is a good point to mention that, that we're going to do this from time to time, at the very least once a month as the new stuff comes out on the, new, on the free streaming services. Because here's what's happening, everybody. You know, as we get further and further along in the pandemic, there hasn't been any new TV or movie production to speak of. So in about six months time, maybe, give or take, all of a sudden there's going to be a huge dearth of new programming. And so it's going to be, it, we're going to have to go back and kind of look back to some of the old stuff that we might have missed. And we are here for you on that front. We're going to tell you about all of some of our favorite shows from the past and, and recent years that, that you may want to check out. So uh, we hope you enjoy that sort of thing. So, Dave, while we're on the subject of movies and TV and whatnot, let's talk about projectors. I know you have some experience in this department. Describe for me, if you would, the home theater that you used to have. I regret not having it anymore, but I had a large room in my old house that had an overhead projector displaying on a large screen in the front of the room. It was a 10-foot projector or 10-foot screen. And I had actually gotten a contractor to make tiered steps for me that we put theater seating on. So the back seats were up higher than the front seats. It was amazing. And of course, I had run, this was before wireless speakers, so I had run cabling to the back for all of the AV system and the surround speakers and stuff. It was like a theater. I, I have rarely envied you as much as when I saw that home theater in your house. It was awesome and amazing. And that was like the model home theater, like what I would dream of having in my own house and <laughs> unfortunately will never have. But um, I'm guessing you spent probably two, three million dollars for that setup? <laughs> it was probably a little more expensive than I would spend today if I were going to do it all over again. But actually, 
That's true in multiple for multiple reasons, because today you can do that more cheaply. You don't have to spend $15,000 on a projector. You can spend $5,000 and get a projector of similar quality. It's the whole, the ball has moved significantly. But I know you want to talk about stuff that's even cheaper than that. And here's where we're going to get into a little bit of a scuffle. <laughs> right. Yeah, so my my key point that I want to make here today is that there's a new, a fairly new uh, breed of projector, maybe not breed, but a new category of home theater projector, which I'm going to just go ahead and call mini projectors because not only are they kind of on the smaller side, but they are lower resolution than some of the, the higher level projectors and their prices are mini as well. And so the the thing I want to talk about is how do these projectors really do? I mean, are they any good and what should you expect to spend and what should you expect to get from one of these projectors? So Dave, there are projectors now priced 100, 150 bucks, like really surprisingly inexpensive. Have you had any firsthand experience with any of these? No, and I actually don't need any experience with these to know that they're Terrible. Oh, you're going to poo-poo? You're going Although, to poo-poo? I, I, I'm poo-pooing. I am going to go out on a limb and say, now, first of all, it depends on what you're going to use it for, obviously. But you can't build a home theater with a $100, $200, projector. And there's a whole bunch of things that go into making a good, high-quality projector that if you're planning on sitting watching TV and movies regularly in a room, you're going to want good resolution, you're going to want brightness, you're going to want keystoning controls, and you just want quality in the product that you won't get from a hundred bucks. If all you want to do is project your phone on a wall occasionally, it's probably fine. <laughs> okay, so let me talk about, you're, you're right, you're absolutely right, that if you're trying to create a proper home theater, and by which I, by, by that I mean, like, you want, like, a hundred foot image, and you want the speakers and the whole thing, a, a setup like what you had, then a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar projector is not going to cut it. But, I really think that there's a place for these kinds of projectors, and a purpose for these kinds of projectors that is not to create a home theater, but to give you the fun of kind of setting up a little a little movie theater anywhere you want. I want to specifically talk about this for kids, as something for kids. I, I know sleepovers are kind of, you know, not a thing at the moment, but hopefully at <laughs> some point they will be. But even just for, for little kids in the family, you know, if you want to have like a, a fun movie night where you just kind of set this thing up in their bedroom and you point it at a wall and all of a sudden they're able to watch their favorite like Pixar movie or whatever, you know, kind of on a big screen, uh, big wall space um, that's just in their bedroom and it's like under the covers and it's really cute and fun. That's awesome. And in a situation like that, the resolution of the projector is not a big deal. The sound quality of the projector is not a big deal. It's just a fun thing. And I'd even go so far as to argue that if you're just a couple and you're lying in bed and you want to throw the projector up on the ceiling, you know, just for kind of a fun, different kind of movie night. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> you've gone too far because I was going to say you found the one good application for these really inexpensive projectors. They're great for kids, for doing a sleepover, for letting your kids watch a movie. But... I'm an adult. I'm a grown-up. I want a, a man's wetsuit, please. <laughs> and because of that, I don't want to be subjected to a fuzzy, low-resolution, dim 
display from a projector. Either I want a good quality image, or what's the point? I can watch a better thing on my iPad than projecting a fuzzy sub HD video on the ceiling of my bedroom. Well, okay, so it's not for you, David. Remember, what's right for you is not necessarily what's right for everyone. And keep in mind too, not everybody has the space to be able to devote a big old wall to a, a proper home theater projector. You know, if you live in a small apartment, if you live, uh, heck, in a dorm room, you know, anything like that, you, you might just want something that's like small and portable and easy to set up without all of the rigmarole of a, a real big standard projector. So anyway, let's just kind of quickly talk about what to look for if you're looking for one of these things. And I want to just throw out one more example. You know, you said that this is a great thing for kids, and I agree it absolutely is. Some friends of ours recently shared a story where their teenage son, in his late teens, who was huge into basketball and had been really, really missing watching basketball, and then NBA games started to come on again. And so what he did was he invited a bunch of his friends over, and they sat in their driveway with one of these little mini projectors, and they put the game up on the garage door, and they loved it. They thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I, I said, well, what, what projector was this? I was thinking it must be some sort of decent higher-end model, and it was this $150 little mini thing, and kind of just depends on what your expectations are, you know? And I know what... I, I suppose it just seems to me that we're teaching our teenagers <laughs> to accept low-quality content it's kind of like in the old days when mp3s were new and oh you boy. Oh sir, God. could not tell the difference between a 128 kilobit per second audio file and a lossless one but i don't want to get everyone used to low quality audio and low quality video <laughs> we have standards we're, we're a society you see you think we're we're failing as a society if we accept a low a low end projector. <laughs> I don't want to live in that uh, world, Rick. Okay. Well, for those that do want to live in that world, let's just talk about a couple things to to look for uh, in these projectors. So I want to talk about uh, first of all resolution because uh, resolution is kind of a, a key factor when you're shopping for any projector. At a minimum, when you're shopping for something for your home theater, you want a 1080p or better resolution, right? I mean, 1080p and ideally 4K. Wouldn't you agree? For sure. Although I would say there is something more important than resolution. Oh, what is it? Brightness. Yeah. Brightness. Yeah, because the brightness does two things. It determines how bright the image is, obviously, but also it is the limiting factor that determines how big you can project it on the wall. Because the further away you get from the wall, the dimmer the image becomes. So you need to start with the highest possible brightness to get a good large image. I, I agree 100% with that. But I'm also going to say that for, for our purposes here, in talking about a projector that's 100 150 200 bucks. It's not going to be a super bright projector. Just no way, no how. Okay, so so Dave, pull the shades, dim the lights, okay, and sit in a dark room and just be happy. I, it sounded to me like you were saying, let's just admit, it's not going to work, so it doesn't matter how much you spend on it. Uh, that being said, all else being equal, absolutely you should choose uh, the projector that has the, the highest 
brightness rating, and that's usually expressed in the form of lumens. So you might see a projector that says it has 200 lumens or 500 lumens or whatever. And so the, the higher the number, the better. So let me just circle back to resolution real quick, because I said ideally for home theater purposes, 1080p or better is important. However, at the lower end, the $100, $125 projectors might actually say something a little different. They might say that they support 1080p, but if you look closely, you will discover that their native resolution, meaning the actual maximum resolution that they can output, is lower than that. And it might actually be something as low as like 858 by 450 or something, if I'm getting my numbers correct, which seems pretty low. And I'll just say this. It's not bad. It's not as bad as you might think. It's it's better than old... Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it's as bad as you think. <laughs> it's it's not. If For the purposes of for kids, for just watching a... You know, if you just want to sit back and watch Carol Burnett on your ceiling, Dave, <laughs> it's fine. So that's just something I want you to be aware of, that when a projector says it supports 1080p, that means it supports 1080p sources. So, for example, if you connect your phone to it or you plug in um, a Roku device or something like that, which are capable of streaming at 1080p, the projector itself is not going to quite equal up to that resolution. And whether or not that's a deal breaker for you, you will have to decide. I don't think it's it's as bad as all that. These projectors support HD in the same way that I support vegetarians, but I'm still going to have a beef taco. <laughs> So that's the upshot on the whole cheap projector thing, everybody. I would, We would love to know what you think. Uh, is a low-end projector sufficient uh, for certain cases, or do you really need to spend a little more and get something really decent, really great? Uh, let us know what you think at CheapskateShow at CBSInteractive.com. So, Rick, do you think you can beat my best under 20 from last week? Uh, oh, the headphone thing? Yeah, the headphone. Yeah, the headphone thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I can beat that. Okay. You really disliked that, that best under 20 last week. No, I actually really liked it a lot. It just doesn't it doesn't apply to me, so it's, I can't get as excited about it as you are. But maybe let me see how, how this does for you. All right, so here's my best under 20 for this week. Dave, since we've been talking about projectors, let's talk about TVs. Have you ever done bias lighting, set up a, a strip of lights behind your TV? Yeah, I have some set up right now, in fact. I have to admit, I was very skeptical about the whole notion of this. I kind of didn't see the point. I didn't think it was going to be oh, cool. Oh, it's wonderful. It is. I love the soft glow it yeah. gives you, and, and it actually helps your eyesight distinguish contrast better on the TV screen. Yeah, and so I thought this was going to be like an expensive, complicated thing, but it turns out there is a new category of product called LED light strips, and I guess the category is not new, but the fact that you can get them for super cheap is a fairly new thing. For example, a week or two ago, I wrote about a um, an LED light strip from a company called Govi. It's a 16-footer, so actually a little bit longer than you would probably need for your TV, but you can apply this thing anywhere. You can apply it uh, under your countertops or, you know, bedroom, wherever you like. And it was on sale for 19 bucks. Just amazing to me. And uh, currently, we're going to include a link to that um, product in the show notes. It's currently back up to around 23 bucks, but I'm including it because it frequently goes on sale for less and, in fact, was below $20 when I first wrote about it. So here's the thing. It's a 16-foot LED light strip. It can be any color or series of colors that you want, and it's controllable via a handheld remote, your phone, 
or Google or Alexa. So you can just issue voice commands to turn the thing on or off. That's my dream, is having lights I can turn on and off with my voice. (laughs) So if you want to monkey around with this idea of bias lighting, and trust me, it's way cooler than you think. Uh, It's just really, really cool. Or you just want to put LED lights all over your house, um, here's a way you can do it for cheap. So thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week with more deals and more money-saving advice. In the meantime, you can find daily deals by visiting cnet.com slash cheapskate and following us on Twitter at Cheapskate Blog or Facebook at Cheapskate Rick. So until next time, be kind to your fellow cheapskates out there and stay safe, stay healthy, and stay cheap. <laughs>